I'm about to start a personal journey that I didn't think I would ever go on. And I'm really nervous. I don't know how this is going to end. So I was 17 um, and I found out I was pregnant. My daddy just couldn't even look at me, he was so upset. And I actually had a bleed that night, um, so my dad had to take me into hospital. I didn't know if he wanted to speak to me, so I went and had the scan on my own um, and they printed the pictures out for me. And then I just came out and gave them to him and it was like all had been forgotten, yeah, when it was fine. If being pregnant at 17 was a shock, then the news my dad was about to tell me was something I never, ever expected. So I was about six months pregnant. I came down, I was on my phone, just like, oh, like, what's the matter? Yeah, he just sat me down and said they had to use a sperm donor to have me. And, oh my gosh, I was just like, what? Didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to ask. This is my box of like little keepsakes. Oh, I love this picture. This is one of my favourites. See when I was little with him. His relationship with my kids was just the best. Like he was always with them. He loved them to bits, and they miss him so much. I sadly lost my dad in 2022. He had a lung condition and he died when he was just 68. I remember holding his hand and saying, like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Probably think I put you through as a kid. It was a nightmare. Yeah, it was really weird. Just, just the most surreal thing to have to go and watch it when your dad died. I loved my dad so much. And when he was alive, I was really scared of upsetting him by searching for my sperm donor. But I know that he'd actually be really proud of what I'm doing. In my head, I can't shake off this nagging question. Is there someone else out there going through the exact same thing as me? For me, I always wanted to find siblings. I can't explain it. Like, because um, nobody else knows how we feel because they're not donor-conceived. It's a big, like, subject that I feel like is not spoken about enough. And I'm not the only one who feels like this. I think there is a stigma around being donor-conceived. Um, and I think a lot of that is to do with the secrecy. We as donor-conceived people are not supposed to want to know who the donor is and where we come from and our biological family on the donor's side. And I think people were very well-meaning, but they would say things like, oh, you know, this doesn't really matter and your dad's still your dad. Inside, I was kind of feeling like, okay, I actually do have some pretty big feelings here. So what is donor conception and how does it work? There are different rules around the world, but in the UK, well, let me explain. Lots of people need help to have children. Sometimes it's because they have fertility problems, but sometimes it's because they're single or in same-sex relationships. Here's where sperm and egg donors come in. For men, donating sperm is a fairly straightforward process. For women, it's a little bit more complicated. 
involving hormone treatment and an operation. Donated eggs and sperm are then stored for up to 10 years in labs around the country. People hoping to be parents can look through information on the donors to decide which characteristics they want their babies to have. What was quite um, important criteria for us was that it was, the donor was going to be brown haired, blue eyed, um, like Lucy. We chose that person that we didn't know anything about because it was like a blank canvas. We didn't want to be expecting anything of our children. Figures for 2021 show around 3,500 patients in the UK used donor insemination. And that's only through the official routes. And because of a change in UK law, from October 2023, donor-conceived children turning 18 will have the right to know the identity of their donor for the very first time. I was born before 2005, so I don't have the right to know who my donor was. But I'm off to meet a brother and sister who do. Hello, are you okay? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, okay, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just coming in anyway. Yeah, I'm like, woo. <laughs> Should I take my shoes off or? Sure, thank you. Twins, Phoebe and Matthew, have always known their donor conceived. We decided, because the change in law was coming up in 2005, that we would wait to start IVF because for the sake of a few months, we just felt it wasn't fair on any children we might have had to deny them that opportunity to find out who that donor was. But as they got older and started asking questions, they were very keen on, well, how old is he? What's his name? What does he do? So I did a bit of research and we found we could send away um, for non-identifiable information. And then I think the biggest surprise for us is born in Colombia and it was kind of like, okay, that was a bit of a shock, not quite what we were expecting. We know that there are half-siblings out there, that's recorded. Um, 10 or 11 half-siblings that again, providing that, 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 that they want to meet as well, there, there could be opportunity once they reach 18. So the next 12, 14 months is gonna be Next part of the journey, really, an exciting part of the journey. You guys have always known, haven't you? Yeah, since I can't remember not knowing. Yeah. So it's just something that's always been very natural to talk about. Do you know anything about your donor? We know he's like a second generation born Colombian. His height, his like builds, eye colour, hair colour, age, some of like his hobbies. And that's pretty much everything they told us, really. So when you're both 18 now, next year, are you going to apply for more information? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And what are you hoping for to come out of that? Just to meet him, really. Oh, um, you want to meet him? Yeah. They both want to know. Yeah. You know, we, we've got two amazing children. That, you know, our lives are different as a result of, of, of that person's kindness. So it would be nice to, to, to shake him by the hand and say thank you. I chose the sperm donor that I used to conceive my daughter partly because he said he would be open to contact in the future. It was incredibly important for us that we found a donor who was happy for the children to reach out when they came of age because we felt it was an incredibly important part that it was their journey to and their decision if they wished to reach out and meet him. For donor conceived people like me, born before the law changed, it's really hard to find out who our donors are. In 2019, I went on a programme to try and do just that. I've never met anybody else who's donor-conceived. Sadly, I didn't find him. All I could get were some really basic details. 
So I haven't watched this since my dad passed away. Well, I haven't actually watched it since it went out. We thought we were doing the right thing. As far as I was concerned, Tink was mine. And I was happy. Close the case. I was the person that protected her, that gave her the love, looked after her. I was someone special to Tink. And then I told her that I wasn't like a biological father. I felt that destroyed something totally. I hate that. my heart. I felt because I told her that she wouldn't love me no more. The programme did encourage me and my dad to finally open up and talk about how we were both feeling. I just feel like I'm a, I've come from a freezer. It just doesn't feel natural, so it's weird for me, that's all. It's mad, cos, like, watching it back, I, I can just remember being so angry. But, like, also, like, just not very educated on it, so... And that's the first time me and my dad ever spoke about it. We had never spoken about it before until, well, he told me when I was 17 and I'm 25 there. Yeah, it's just really sad to watch it back. I've seen him so cold to him. It just makes me miss him. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the process my parents went through to have me. But I'm feeling really nervous to be here because I sometimes feel like I came from a lab. Are you okay? Hi. Tinker, I presume? It is, yeah. Hi, I'm Joanne Adams. Oh, lovely to, to meet you. you. Come this way. Perfect. This is where patients and donors do their samples. They're very plain and ordinary. Yeah. Everybody thinks they're going to be very exceptional, but they're not. <laughs> it's obviously a television for obvious reasons. Yeah. So what happened? Did they just turn the telly on and it's there? No, they've got a choice, basically. Oh, OK. So, something there to suit everybody, I would say, so... <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd feel really weird coming in here, but it's just a room. Yeah. OK. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All around the world, Fertility centres like this are busy freezing eggs and sperm and helping parents with treatments like donor insemination and IVF. Am I all tucked in? <laughs> I'm getting rare access to a delicate and really special stage of the process, one my parents probably went through too. These are our time-lapse incubators. So we can get videos of the embryos growing. Oh, wow! <laughs> This embryo is almost ready to be implanted. So will this patient come in this week and yes, we get to Oh wow. So it's like a big moment for her that yeah. it's going. Yeah. It's not every day you see that on a Absolutely. on a screen, do you? So yeah, I do feel really privileged, yeah. This is where we store all our egg sperm and embryos. Okay, so, so that square is so that square will have 
maybe a hundred vials with donor sperm in it. Of one person. Of one it. person. That is amazing. It is, yeah, and it's yeah. mad seeing this. Like, yes. I was in one of them. Yeah. For a, just for a little bit. <laughs> just for a little while. Yeah. 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 Seeing it all, it, it is a lot more reassuring. And just not as clinical as you think it yeah. is. It is to a certain extent, but you know that you're being handled by real people and yeah. we have an emotion about what we're doing as well. Yeah, it, make, it just makes you feel a lot better. Like I also said, I was really worried about coming today, but um, yeah, it's taken it away completely. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. good. It just feels normal. Yeah. Now that I know more about how it all works, I also feel like I can face up to another fear I've been holding on to. When I applied to the UK's fertility regulator for information on my donor, I was also told something really exciting. In front of me, I've got my letter from the HFEA. It's actually got the list of um, siblings that I've got. So I've got 16 altogether, which is totally bonkers it's a lot of siblings and it actually says there's two females in 1995 which is the year I'm born so that's just mind-blowing and it gets better I think I've actually tracked down that sister she actually lives 20 minutes away from me we text back a little bit back and forth and we've actually decided a date to meet up which is really really nerve-wracking but really exciting at the same time it's exciting to think I might get to meet my half-sister, but I'm still no closer to knowing my donor, and I don't know if he wants to meet me. When their anonymity was removed, the number of people coming forward to donate eggs and sperm fell dramatically. But at least some donors do want to be found. DJ Gary Evans in the, in the 80s. That's his Gary and his three daughters, Sarah, Tanya and Michelle, live in Essex. I Gary donated sperm in the 80s after he and his partner went through a miscarriage. Recently, a new daughter tracked him down. She embraced me, I embraced her. and It was very um, emotional. Something that happened so long ago that I did I could never dream that it would be like this. I just did not, I could not foresee it. Gary's donor daughter didn't want to go on camera, but she did write us a letter. From the get-go, Gary embraced me as his daughter. He told me everything I needed to know about my family's health and history and showed me photos of my grandparents and relatives. Gary also introduced me to my wonderful three sisters. There was an instant bond. It was like we'd known each other our whole lives. I love them so much and can't imagine life without them now. Getting to know them has been amazing and I feel like they and Gary were the missing part of me. I really am so lucky and can't believe how well it's all worked out. I love Gary to bits and I'm so grateful for how he's treated me and the same goes to my sisters. Oh, that makes me feel so emotional. Even so, I'm gone. Oh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just really nice. It's so lovely. Lady. It's amazing for her, isn't it? Yeah. What she's got. So, and it makes like me feel happy because, so at least somebody has got answers, you know. Yeah, it's lovely. Although I think I'd still love to find out my donor's identity, 
No one could ever replace my dad who brought me up. But there's one thing left I need to do, and that's meet my sister. I just didn't think this would ever happen at all. So I am really, really nervous. I felt like I didn't like, want to betray my dad. Like He's the first person I'd have run as well after it to be like, Dad, guess what? And I can't even do that, so it's just, it's a lot, yeah. The train is pulling in now. I'd better go in and wait. Go for it, get right. See you later. <laughs> really well, uh, get on really well. Um, there's been no like awkward silence. We're just two like really Welshy girls. Like it's yeah, it's lovely. I'm so glad it's gone like this. Like the minute she sat down, I like just felt like I knew it. I'm going back to my sister, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> Two days ago, I was told that my donor mother has been traced. I found my donor-conceived community through Facebook of all places. I feel understood in that community and supported. And I found that the things that I feel are okay to feel and that other donor-conceived people feel them too. It's not just making a baby, it's making a, a human who's going to grow up and have a lot of emotions. And, you know, prospective parents need to be aware of the fact that their their child might feel negatively, might struggle. Just a quick update. I had my first telephone call with her. My first video call. I look like her. And we've got a lot of catching up to do. I can't even believe I'm saying this. There's a lot of emotions and um, a lot of processing to do. But my dreams have come true. It was worth it to search for her for almost 18 years. I found my mum. <laughs> for some donor-conceived people, finding their donor can be an amazing experience. But for many, like me, that's not necessarily how our story will end. We might never find that missing piece of the puzzle. Look at the baby. Hey. Look at all that hair. I can't believe how much hair he's got. Yeah, more hair than me. <laughs> more hair than you. <laughs> Gary is now a granddad for the seventh time, and he's lifted his anonymity in the hope his other donor children get in touch. There we go. Ah, you okay? Twins Phoebe and Matthew have a year to wait until they can find their donor. And they've also decided they want to give something back. We've both decided that we want to donate. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And like, unlike me, you guys can because you've got your full medical history. That's yeah. amazing. And you too, Matthew, would you do it too? Yeah, but I'll probably just go. As soon as I'm probably about 20, I'll probably look more into it. Okay, bye guys. Bye, bye. thank you. Bye. I'm so happy for the twins. It's amazing that they get to um, maybe meet their donor down the line, but it is very much bittersweet because there's still people like me who were before the law who are never going to know those things, and that's really sad. I wish people would just realise donor conception is not a taboo subject. All in all, it's been amazing learning everything and speaking to the most incredible people.